new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's going on, everybody? We are back. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode four on this Thursday, July 27th, 2023. Josh Calloway, James Jackson, Tom Green. Gentlemen, pack show today. How are we feeling? Feeling great. Awesome. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, the real question is, how are you feeling? Are you finally over that cold? It's still like a little bit lingering there, a little bit. It's uh, it's, it it's just crazy. can't quite shake it. But, it's the uh, summertime. It's crazy. I know. I'm like 90%. It's like just a little <laughs> bit of a cough. So I'm going to try not to cough in the mic again. That's still a thing. Mm. But otherwise, I feel fine overall. Don't no, no pity me. It, it's just those usual off-season nicks and bruises. You know, we're going to have you ready for you know the start of the season in early September. Get you full speed by fall camp. We'll, we'll be good. We'll be good. I think it's just uh, football withdrawal. I think my body is just like uh, trying to shake a, a drug habit. Like it just needs it needs some football. I think that's the thing, there and that's go. coming soon. Fall camp is next week. Um, we talked about that a little bit on uh, Monday show. Can't wait. Uh, obviously, to actually get out, see the pads popping, get to talk to players, talk to coaches, and get ready to do this thing so the team's really close to practicing um this will be our final show that's not full camp uh preview or camp related i guess you could say before we hit into august next week um but we have a lot to talk about recruiting is popping off got some kind of out of nowhere basketball news today so we got a lot to talk about let's start with what we started on monday which is our position breakdown if you didn't catch monday's show i suggest you go back and and watch it uh, obviously, not a real long show, but we started a thing that we're going to do throughout the rest of uh, really leading up to that first game week, which is one at a time. We're going to break down the position groups on the team, players that we feel great about, question marks that we have, breakouts, and then we wrap it up with a score, one to ten, on how good, deep, strong, however you want to categorize it, that we feel that position is. We did quarterbacks on Monday. Got a little uh, – some good some good discourse coming out of that one we're jumping into defensive ends today we're gonna to go offense defense throughout this thing defensive end group today miguel shavis the position coach there his second year he came over with uh brent venables last year from clemson last year was his first year as a full-time position coach he'd never done it before he was kind of like a grad assistant analyst whatever you want to call it at clemson brent venables gave him the keys to the defensive ends room in year one not great not I mean, and not anything against him as a coach, but just the position overall was not great. Ethan Downs had a pretty good year, but Reggie Grimes, not really. Marcus Stripling, not really. The position overall was not was not a strength of the defense. This year, though, it looks to be they've upgraded tremendously in the offseason. Multiple big gets in the transfer portal. They're recruiting really well at that spot. PJ Adebore, of course. So a lot to like here. Tom, James, whoever. Initial thoughts when you look at this group on paper, just some things that jump out to you uh, with this defensive ends group. Yeah, I think kind of like what you said, just better depth. Um, yeah, top a lot better. Um, you know, it obviously helps bringing back a guy like Downs, who you know is the team's only preseason All Big Twelve selection. Um, obviously, very productive last year. Thirteen tackles or thirteen and a half tackles for a loss. Um, you know, thirty-one total pressures, which I believe led the team. 
um, you know, he, having him back as kind of that foundation, but also bringing in a strong core of not just 2023 signees, you mentioned mm. PJ Adebore, um, but also the caliber of transfers that they were able to bring in in a guy like Rondell Bothroyd, who looked really good at Wake Forest last season. I believe his pass rushing grade uh, from Pro Football Focus was like 89.6 on the year. Um, hopefully, you know, Oklahoma is obviously hoping that what he did in the ACC can transfer over to the Big 12. And then, you know, guys like, you know, Trace Ford, uh, bringing him over mm-hmm. from Oklahoma State. And then, you know, just returning guys like Reggie Grimes, who has starting experience, R. Mason Thomas, Marcus Stripling. I think they're going to feel a lot better about the competitive depth. You know, that term we heard uh, Brent Venables say time and again during a Big 12 media days a couple weeks ago. I think they're just going to feel a lot better about it top to bottom this year. Competitive depth is such a, a big thing that, like you said, they came to the Big 12 media days of wit. And it just makes sense because the starters for Oklahoma were very good last year, I think. Overall, the starters were good. It's, just, it's when your second guys come in, there's a drop-off there. And that drop-off is what decides those games because in the fourth quarter, you're just too tired to keep mm-hmm. it going. Bringing in the guys that they brought in, I think like guys like Trace Ford, you talk about the the amount of recruiting that they they're able to to do to get him like a guy from Oklahoma State that doesn't happen too often. That's no. a big rivalry to pull him over from that team. Oklahoma State's a very good team still. I mean, like to bring him over from over there. I mean, that's that's amazing for what uh, OU staff has been able to do. So, and it shows that they are really going after that second unit, third you know, second and third unit. They can come in and not have too much of a drop off, which is which is what separates the big boys from just the middle of the road guys. And I think that's the difference now. Yeah. And it's, it's not just having that drop off, like you said, but having more guys that you can rely on so that your starters aren't as fatigued late in the season, late in games, which again, that that was kind of Oklahoma's Mm -hmm. weakness last year and kind of why they faded during that final month of the season, losing those close games and, you know, finishing with a losing record. Um, So, you know, like we said, having that competitive depth and just being able to rotate guys, keep them a little bit fresher late in games, late in season is going to put Oklahoma in a much better position, especially as they try to bounce back defensively from what was a very uncharacteristic Brent Venables defensive season. Yeah, it's yeah, just, you it's can just go, awful. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you can just attack, uh, tack on. I mean, yeah, you can go six or seven deep here and number of guys that you, you feel like you can put out there. I mean, and, and last year, you know, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't, spectacular for this group and i think that's evidenced by what they did in the transfer portal i mean ethan downs is back reggie grimes is back marcus tripling is back they they have those guys or mason thomas is back but they still felt the need to go out and not just get guys but veteran guys who play lots of football who are gonna rondo bothroy doesn't come to norman to be a rotational piece he, he's been a starter at wake Forest for years i mean he's gonna come in here expecting to play a lot of snaps similar sentiment for trace Ford. like i think those moves kind of tell you how they felt about the room last year but reggie grimes marcus stripling i mean i feel a lot different about those guys as rotational pieces as guys you're leaning on those are great guys for rotational pieces and i mean they can make a big jump i mean last year coming into the season marcus stripling especially was a guy that i thought was going to have a great leap i thought i mean Coach Schmitty and then Brent Venables, Shave. I thought that was all going to get the most out of him. And not that he had like a bad year, but it wasn't what I, I thought. I thought he might have a chance to be a, like a star type of year. Now that could happen this year, but the the depth there and the options, you're not really leaning on any one or two guys here that much. I think it's going to really help. 
Yeah, and, and that's huge, um, you know, especially as this program kind of prepares for its move to the SEC, which, you know, we've discussed. It's a line of scrimmage league, mm. and you need to be able to rotate, you know, nine, ten guys across the whole defensive line. I know we're just talking about defensive ends today, but, you know, you need to be able to have that depth all across the line um, if you're going to compete in that league. So I think this is a move this season, you know, kind of helping Oklahoma as it, prepares for that transition to the SEC. Um, I think we'll we'll see, you know, better dividends um, from that position this season just based off, again, bringing back a guy like Downs and bringing back a starter in Grimes who you're probably not going to have to lean on as a starter anymore and more of a complementary piece behind a, a Rondell Bothroyd and behind, yeah. you know, guys like Trace Ford. And, you know, bringing in a top 11 player in P.J. Adebore, I mean, you – don't need him to contribute right away, but he, you know, he he is a raw prospect. You know, he's only been playing football for a couple of years as is, mm-hmm. but you know, his skill set is just undeniable. And you're hoping that you know he can get to the point where you can count on him to come in and kind of elevate that pass rush because the pass rush wasn't great last season. Um, and you know, you could get you know get as much help as you can. But, you know, kind of similar to that situation we talked about earlier in the week at quarterback where you have a Jackson Arnold come in, it's kind of a luxury um, where you don't need to rush, you know, a player like PJ and, you know, kind of just get him acclimated to playing at this level and against the caliber of teams that he's going to see. The most annoying thing I think Sooners fans have been watching over the last couple of years, not even under Brent Venables overall, just over the last couple of years, it's a third down defense that OU puts on the field. Like getting a team to third and five or third and eight, third and 12 sometimes, and they still are able to convert, that's, that's annoying. Mm-hmm. That's annoying. And I think the defensive end position is a big part of that, like stopping that. You need somebody that can disrupt a lot of scrimmage and, you know, get the quarterback out of his rhythm, get the running back, you know, just do something to pass rush and, and stop the momentum of the other team. Those third downs, like convergence is like just heartbreaking every time it happens. Like, man, that's that's the biggest thing, I think. And I, what were they, the 88th and third down defense last year? I mean, yeah, that's not worse. <laughs> yeah, that's that's I mean, that's the number Tom. I've, I read Tom's article and got that from there. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's awful, man. That's awful. 100 percent. It absolutely was. So we'll see how that improves. I think that definitely we touched on them both. The breakout names are R. Mason Thomas, who did a lot of really nice things as a freshman, a uh, really mature kid. He's been one of those guys that like his name comes up a lot with Venables or whoever uh, in the spring and at big old media days, he brought him up. He is someone that you're kind of like year two, he might make a big leap. And then like we said, PJ out is kind of the X factor because he's a true freshman right out of high school. But the, the kid is just, he, he's not normal. I mean, he, he is a freak of nature uh, in a good way. I mean, just arms go to the ground almost. And he, the length and the athleticism he's going to, I mean, he was a five-star in all that for a reason. Uh, he's He's got potential to be a stud. I don't know right away. They don't need him, at least on paper, to be a guy right away, but he might just be that guy right away. And if he is, you turn him loose. So we'll see how he goes. Um, he had a good spring. We'll see if he can capitalize that in the fall and buy himself some snaps, you know, once the once the games start. All right, wrapping yeah, up. Go I, I was going to say his potential has to be through the roof because, I mean, you look at where he was in the recruiting rankings even – you know, a year ago, you know, mm-hmm. going, you know, before he was a senior, he had a meteoric rise over that last year. 
Um, I, I think mm-hmm. the quote from Chavis in the spring was, you know, he, he's longer than Monday afternoon. Um, so, yeah. so the guy's got the length, which you love to see from, you know, an edge rusher. Um, you want that bend. You want someone who's able to kind of get around the corners there of the tackle. Um, so I, I think it'd be really interesting to kind of just see how he progresses going into his freshman year and kind of those first few games. Um, so I think then they'll really start to know what they have yeah. in him. Yeah, older brothers in the NFL now, younger brother uh, coming up. He's in high school now. He's supposed to be another one. So it's uh, you got good genes, good genes. Um, wrapping up, you gotta, so, and you got to think the technique is yeah. going to come very soon. I mean, obviously with an older oh, yeah. brother, obviously you know who you can talk to and who to prepare for. You got coaches as well. I mean, like so just looking at that, I mean, he's got all the upside that that Oklahoma needs. I think. Absolutely. So one to ten, we did this on Monday with the quarterbacks. Um, gave our score. We gave out a, a, some good, solid scores to the quarterback room, defensive ends room, one to ten. This is based on depth, strength of the position, just overall how you feel about it. It's kind of your own uh, interpretation of, of how, what you you put into your score. So go for it, Tom, James, whoever. Tom, I guess you can say, I say we have James go first this week. All right, oh, man, that's just, yeah. I, I'm not sure if I. I gave the quarterbacks an eight point five, which I'm still I'm still happy with that score. I did as well. Do I think the defensive end that the group is better than the quarterback group? And I, I don't know, it's kind of hard to, to gauge, but going up there, let me I'm gonna say about an eight point three for the defensive ends. Really? Because I'm not yeah, I'm not all the way like I, I think they're really close to the quarterbacks, like being one of the stronger parts of this football team. So I think that's where I'm gonna go with eight point three right now. Let me see what you say, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't think that this position is as set as, you know, the quarterback. I, I do think that quarterback room is really strong. But, you know, just compared to where they were last year, I think they're in a lot better position. I, I think, you know, somewhere between an 8 and a 9, maybe an 8.5. You know, I, I, I hate giving out <laughs> point whatever. Um but I am going to, you know, cop out and kind of log it in there between an eight and a nine. I do think that this position is going to be, you know, one of the strengths of a what should be a much improved defense this fall, um, just based off of again what they brought in, what they brought back. They should feel a lot better about it, and you know, I think that's really going to help set the tone for what should be a defensive turnaround this fall. All right, I get, I'm the optimist of the group. I got nine point two five. Um, getting real specific, man. Not in the quarter. You're, you're, ta- you're taking it over to two decimals, James. At least left <laughs> it at one. Oh, so you got them hard than quarterbacks, though. At least. Um, I mean, Oklahoma had one All Big Twelve player, Ethan Downs. He's in this it's group. True. Um, true. Rondell Bothwick comes over. His production at Wake Forest rivals anybody. I know he's defense last few years. You're just adding that. Trace Ford, like we said. Grimes and Stripling, I'm, I have to think year two that they're going to both be better. Um, and then our Mason Thomas, like I just said, and you, you, th- you sprinkle in some PG out of Borage, that, oh, you know, just this five-star freaking nature kid who is going to be a star. Um, one of the strengths of the team, in my opinion. I mean, there are positions that I think are better, and we'll get there, but this is right up there for me, at least on paper. Um, and also Miguel Chavis year two. Not that – I ever felt like these guys are poorly coached or something. But you got to imagine he's more comfortable year two. Last year was his first year as a full-time position coach. Um, yeah. I'm, so I'm a big sure. adjustment for him. So I, all yeah. those things together, 9.25. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm sure just like Brent Venables, you know, Miguel Chavis had his own learning curve 
yeah. last year. Um, and Burton, you know, probably learned some valuable lessons along the way. And yeah, I'm with you. I do, I do think that he's probably going to be an improved coach. Not that he wasn't a good coach last year, but right. again, you know, with experience comes lessons and, you know, knowledge. So I just can't wait to see the reaction of 9.25 from the Super Fans. Like, <laughs> That's, Damn, I'm breaking it down. I think 8.3 in a way is more specific than 9.25 because 2.5 is like a quarter. It's just, you know, it's a nice round. Oh, my God. It's, it's like still three. two decimal places, man. Yeah, it's I guess, I guess. <laughs> Whatever, whatever. So that's defensive ends breakdown. We'll go back over to offense uh, next week. I think we're going to do running backs next Monday. So be festering uh, your numbers uh, for, for the running back room. Another really good group, in my opinion. I'm going to get another high number uh, for the running backs. So we'll do that next week. We're going to continue to do that every show leading up to that first game week um, and then obviously the opener. So exciting times are ahead. Um, we're going to have Colin Kennedy coming in here in just a few minutes to break down all the recruiting news. And there is a boatload of it. Um, huge recruiting week for Oklahoma. But before we do, well, we still have Tom here. Basketball news out of nowhere this morning, basically. Emmanuel Dildy, assistant coach, is leaving Oklahoma to go to Duke. Now, this is the fourth assistant coach under Porter Moser to leave. And this is only his third year. Um, it's becoming a thing. Um, fans have certainly noticed it, um, that they're not keeping assistant coaches. And so under Porter Moser, the roster has had this immense turnover every single year. And the coaching staff has had this immense turnover every single year. It, it's hard to win and build a program that way. And this one's probably the biggest gut punch of them all because Dildy was there from the start with Porter. He came over that very first year. It's kind of been his right-hand man, is considered a very good recruiter, all those things, and now he's gone. Now, the flip side of this is I don't know what you do if you're OU and Duke says we want one of your coaches, that you're going to lose you're going to lose him almost every single time. This also happened with KT Turner two years ago. He left to go to Kentucky. Same kind of deal. So, I don't want to overstate it too much, but again, you, you, you gotta you gotta find some stability here. They continue to lose coaches every I mean, offseason. Um, it could be it could be tough. seen as a pro for from Porter Mojo. I mean, you're getting getting his coaches hired at you know big time programs as well. Sure, I mean, you can get there that for way a year too. at a time. It, it's it's tough. That's true. Yeah, it, it's uh, tough. You certainly want some more continuity when you're trying to rebuild a program like Porter Moser is doing. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's tough when a blue blood comes a knocking. Um, you know, like you said, it kind of surprised a lot of people this morning when that news broke. Um, you know, it, it does make a little bit of sense when you kind of look at, you know, Dildy's career. Obviously, he's worked with Porter Moser at Oklahoma and before that at Loyola, Chicago. But, you know, before he came over to Oklahoma, he spent three years at Northwestern on Chris Collins' staff. And Chris Collins was an assistant at Duke under Coach K when current Duke coach John Shire was – still a player so i'm sure that connection probably played into it uh to some extent but still it's a little bit of a surprising move given the timing i mean we're three months out from the start of the season yeah, be just a month ago was promoted to associate head coach so you know he was, was porter moser's top assistant going into the season and again guy that was there from year one with moser here um so kind of curious to see where oklahoma goes from here um, you know, whether they're going to make an outside hire, whether, you know, maybe they promote a guy like Brock Morris, who they just brought in to run player development, but who has assistant coaching experience. Um, so just kind of curious to see how things play out as they have to kind of reshape the staff at this point of the offseason. 
Yeah, I like to think of it. I mean, Brent Venables leaving Clemson is it is it a knock on Dabo Sweeney because he went to Oklahoma? I mean, like it's a a bigger situation for that coach, I think. And I think that's some so a lot of it comes down to that. But maybe there's some things we don't know internally that are, that are happening as well that maybe we can find out. Yeah. In the yeah, I mean, I mean, you expect to lose assistant a good assistant coach to a head coaching job. Yeah, you know, especially at a Power Five school. Um, but you know, losing losing an assistant for another assistant coaching job is is always going to be a little bit tough to swallow. But again, it, it's a blue blood blue blood program. You you can't you can't fault the guy for for making that leap. Yeah. Um, when it when it when a Duke or a Kentucky or you know school like that comes comes calling, you you answer the phone. Yeah, yeah. like I said, this happened. KT Turner left uh, to go to Kentucky two two off seasons ago, and David Patrick left to take a head coaching job at a Sacramento state. So, I mean, it's not like they're not leaving for better jobs. Yeah. It's just, like I, I said, it. just, it's just hard to win this way. You need a, a little stability. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe they're too good. They're hiring guys who then get poached off. I mean, I think maybe the biggest, I maybe, uh, I don't know the right way to put it. The, the biggest knock on this whole situation might be the fact that you have these coaches that are highly sought after that Duke wants Kentucky wants, and you're not winning. They were they were last place in the Big Twelve last year. At least the trade off could be, well, we're we're playing well. We keep having to replace, but we're playing well. But you're not you're not playing well, and you're losing your coaches to better gigs. That's like that shouldn't be happening. That's usually a problem of a, of a program that's winning a lot. You get your coaches poached all the time, not programs that are in last place. So it's kind of the worst of both worlds right now uh, for Oklahoma. But we'll see. So that's it. Um, we'll get Colin in here now for a lot of recruiting talk. Like I said, massive uh, week of visits, and uh, we've had a couple of commits already this week. More is expected soon. We'll get into all the weeds with that with Colin. Tom, appreciate you, good sir. Enjoy your weekend, my man. Yeah, see you guys soon. See you next week, man. Yeah. Camp is next week. Get the mind right. Last weekend <laughs> before camp, get the mind right. All right, we'll tag Colin in now for uh, some heavy recruiting talk here on the latest from the Sooners Illustrated podcast. The Sooners Illustrated podcast will be back after this short break. All right, we now bring in lead recruiting analyst Colin Kennedy to join the program. CK, busy week for you, my guy. Get the coffee. Is that what that is? Is that, is that... I'm out here trying to make it. You know what I mean? It's, there's, a, there's a dangerous amount of caffeine in the system currently. I, I haven't even had time to go to get a haircut or anything like that. So it's been... <laughs> It's been a little bit of a roller coaster. I'm looking a little rough this fine afternoon, but hey, that's that's called cruising season for you. It's been a wild week. It's not slowing down anytime soon either, as you guys know. But it's been a a fun time to be on Sooners Illustrated. That's for sure. Absolutely, yeah. massive week uh, for Oklahoma this week. Uh, Sooners under the stars and party at the palace from this weekend. A lot going on for our guy, Mr. Colin Kenny. He's been pumping in the info on the VIP subscriber board. So um, no better time than now to uh, subscribe and hang out with us. So, you know, all the latest. We'll get into some of that, obviously, here on the podcast. Don't want to dilly-dally too much because, like we said, we have a lot to get through. So let's go ahead and uh, start at the top with Eugene Brooks. We talked about him last week, Colin, uh, on the podcast. Was committing earlier this week a uh, offensive lineman, three-star from Chatsworth, California. Was choosing between OU and Texas. It went OU's way. Outline it for us what the pickup means and the head-to-head win over Texas is always nice. I gotta imagine. 
Yeah, man, this was a weird one to cover, but I do really like to get, obviously, Oklahoma's offensive line board has done some shifting, and I think a lot of these recruits that they're after are a little bit difficult to read, and this one was no different. I mean, this one was, I, I think it really kind of stepped into the spotlight around June 9th, right, whenever Eugene his official visit to Oklahoma and he, he went into the weekend and people weren't necessarily sure where things stood with him. He was, it was kind of a weird recruitment in that he's a West coast kid, but Oklahoma and Texas were the only official visits on the slate at that time. He goes into Norman and has the offer come in and he's, he's recruited heavily by Bill Beatonbow. The visit goes well by all accounts, but had a couple of sources indicate out of the visit that, Hey, you know, Seems like he likes Texas. He's got a personal connection at Georgia. You never know about yeah. the Catholic schools. It was just, it was one of those weird ones where it's like the official visit went well, but you just didn't feel like this one was going to turn in Oklahoma's favor anytime soon. It's just after a while, the weeks go by, he takes his Texas official visit. And I'm going to be honest with you. I thought that at that, that time, based on what I had heard, he was going to end up at UT, but Things continue to play out, and as recruiting goes, sometimes you got to ride the roller coaster. And so I think maybe some things were taking a step back between him and Texas. I don't think he ever really heated things up with Georgia. I think Eugene sat down and sort of reassessed some things. And all the while, like I mentioned as soon as Illustrated, oh, you just kind of kept in that second spot mm. waiting to overtake, and eventually they became the clear-cut leader and landed his commitment. I think this is a guy who – I like the fact that he fits exactly what Bill Beatonbow wants in an offensive line, right? I mean, I think, number one, he's heavy-handed. He is very good in football situations. He's not necessarily the best tester or anything of that nature, yeah. but I think around 6'3", 6'4", 320-ish pounds, he's consistently shown out in football-related events and on the actual turf, and I think he's also somebody who, important to know, he does play tackle for his high school, although properly formatted to be a guard. So versatility is another thing that Eugene Brooks brings to the table. And I think in the end, he's just a guy that Oklahoma really liked on and off the field. And it never hurts pulling somebody from the West Coast either. And so I really like the addition as Oklahoma brings in a few more offensive linemen for the 24 class. Yeah, 24 class now uh, with Brooks moved up to 15th uh, in the rankings, just continuing to climb. I felt like, Colin, not that long ago that you and I were talking uh, on the YouTube channel or even just just talking that, you know, OU was hanging around in the 40s and 50s, didn't have a lot of commits, and that it just continues to stack and stack. And they actually jumped Miami, which is a fun one for OU fans on that last <laughs> commitment uh, after the way things went at uh, Big 12 Media Days. We talked about that last week a little bit uh, as well. From 2024 to 2025, so like I said, Sooners on the Stars going on this week. This is a, uh, you know, Colin, you can explain it better than me, but this is basically for players that are 2025 and younger, um, guys who aren't about to commit, essentially. Um, even had an offer guard to a 2027 young lad. Um, and they do pick up a commitment more possibly on the way, but the one that we know of right now is Kamori Moore, who is a Lee Summit North kid. They continue to... This is obviously a program that Brent Venables and his staff likes. This is where Caden Green went to school. This is where Williams Nowhere goes to school now. And there's more than just those those few. Um, 
what does this get? Obviously, this is one that I think fans sometimes have a hard time wrapping their brain around because he doesn't have a rating yet. You know, I'll right. say 25. That's a little hit or miss on, on kids that young. Um, he has some offers of note. Iowa State, I think, was in there on him. Um, I think Nebraska maybe was in there on him. Yep. Put in perspective, I guess, how nice, how good the get is and, uh, you know, how Oklahoma managed to get a kid, you know, who's this far, uh, you know, out from actually getting to college. I love it, James, because even when Josh doubts himself, he still nails every single aspect of the buildup. You know, look at this guy being a professional host. So you're exactly right. This was a event structured specifically for the classes beyond 2024, because I think sometimes fans on our board are always curious why I'm reporting on 2025s and beyond. Well, these staffs have to actively recruit sometimes three to four different cycles worth of players if you're going to actually land them these days. And Kamori Moore is no different. And we said at Sooners Illustrated in a notes package, he was one of the couple of prospects I had on Commit Watch going into the event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, here we are with Kamori Moore committed to Oklahoma today, Nebraska, Iowa State, some of those Midwest schools involved. But in all fairness, he's someone who's still growing into his game. And I think Oklahoma – very confident in their ability to develop a player like this. And I really do like the player. And I do think it's worth noting as well, because you bring up a good point. He doesn't have his rating yet, but I mean, I was talking with some of our scouting team guys, not even yesterday. We actually just updated our 2025 top 247 this morning. And so Moore still has yet to get his initial rating because our scouting team wants to get a solid initial grade for a guy out of the gate so that the worst comes to worst. We never want to drop a kid. We always want to give him the opportunity to rise in the mm-hmm. rankings. So more is still being analyzed to this very second, but I will tell you this. I really like his game. Six one ish, 295 pounds. He kind of reminds me of some of the defensive tackles that were cycling through in like the Grinch era, but I do think he's got a little bit more ability than some of those guys. And I think the other part of this too is, Again, he's still a work in progress, but he's at a very powerful program like Lee Summit North, like you mentioned, Josh. And yeah. He's someone who, like I mentioned in the commit story, I think he can do a little bit of different stuff for you. He can two-gap. He can one-gap. So basically, if you want him to shock lock peak shed, he can do it for you. Do you want him to attack a gap, pursue the passer? He can also do that. I, I like some of the quickness he has with his hands. And that's another thing, too, that sends out to me about his game, guys. You know – out there in Missouri, sometimes Kamori Moore, who's a power five football player, he's going up against like little Johnny at center on a Friday night. And hey, we love little Johnny, right? His mom's probably in the stands with like some poster board, <laughs> dazzled, and go number 52, little Johnny. And that's all great for little Johnny. But not only is he getting embarrassed by Kamori Moore on a pretty sad Friday afternoon or evening, yeah. but also. I think what really stands out is Kamori Moore, if he's facing little Johnny, who's let's say 5'10 at center, he's getting underneath the pad level. And that's something when you evaluate defensive linemen, that's really important to acknowledge. If he's getting underneath a kid who's 5'10, this guy's going to be a hard-to-handle type of player for a center who's 6'3", 6'4". And so leverage, hand usage, I think he's just a really solid, versatile prospect. And the final thing I'll say about him too and I mentioned it, rarely do you ever see a guy 6'1", 295, playing zero or one tech who has a strong awareness of disrupting the pass. He's batting down balls. He's getting his hand in front of the quarterback. That's a young player 
type of attribute you just don't see. And so Kamori Moore is someone with a lot of natural traits out of the gate. And I think it's a really quality get for Todd Bates. And obviously, I mean, he becomes like a, a stone piece for like what the Sooners need going forward. I mean, you got Grayson Harris, you got Kevin Sperry. You know, yeah. now you got a guy on the defensive line, which is such a big thing in the SEC, especially. I think it's really good for them. Yeah, man. I mean, look, we talk so much about the power line, right? All this, all this stuff they're doing in 2024 on the defensive front. Well, 2025 is just as important because these are the classes that are now supplementing your roster into the SEC. And in my opinion, Kamori Moore is the type of player in the region you need to pursue if you're going to compete in that conference. And so overall, I just really like the addition of Kamori Moore. And hey, it doesn't hurt the fact that he's got a couple of ties as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, you, you see that he's, you know, uh, I, I'm sure some fans might see 6'1", 295. He's 2025. 20, he's, he's, what, 16 years old? I mean, he, give him a little time. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You know, so give him a little, he's got two years of high school football left before he even gets to Norman. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, give him, give him a little bit of time. Like you said, this program, we Summit North, um, up there in Missouri, Oklahoma is a, a fan of their work up there. Another guy who was in town this week we want to bring up uh, specifically is Isaiah Mosey, wide receiver um, in that 2025 group. Unlike uh, Moore, he does have ratings, and he's rated very highly. Number seven receiver in our class, number one player in Missouri in 2025, four-star. This is a guy, Colin, that you feel like Oklahoma's in good position for. What would it mean if they lock him up? And, um, you know, what kind of a player is he um, if they do bring him in? It, again, we updated our 24-7 sports top 247 player rankings in 2025. And he jumped from 73 to 53 overall in the entire mm. country for that class. Wow. It's hard to do that if you're a wide receiver hovering around 6'1 and, what, 180 pounds, if you aren't an absolute dude. and. Yeah. Mosey is a player that Oklahoma just has to get for a number of different reasons. Number one, of course, Lee Summit North, right? Number two, his dad, I don't know, played at Oklahoma when they won the national title. So probably important to get that kid on campus with the tip connection there. But then also, I just think you see a player of his caliber rising in the rankings for obvious reasons. In 2025, in which Oklahoma is involved with a number of different elite wide receivers, Mosey is one that, in my opinion, would always have a spot. And they they really want him to partner with Grayson Harris and Kevin Sperry and sort of be one of those offensive cornerstone pieces they try and essentially rebuild the wide receiver room. I like where things are trending here. I, James and I, I think we'll talk about this next, but we're starting to hear some, I don't know, good news potential out there coming soon. And I think Mosey is one after this visit that Oklahoma is trending in the definite right direction for. Yeah, I, I spoke to a recruit just about this soon as the Stars event just today. I want to write an article about that. And just he said, hey, I think a lot, a couple more guys are have committed as well, just haven't announced it yet. So yeah, maybe he's one of those guys that is is on the on the pipeline for OU, but we'll see. We'll see if right. that's him. I think not just Mosey, but there are a number of other guys that we mentioned at Sooners Illustrated who we place on commit watch that I still think Oklahoma is in the the leaderboard for. And then I think also a couple of other names that have been floated to me this afternoon, guys that were on campus over the past couple of days. Look, like this was a bigger event than I think a lot of people understand, just trying to generate that momentum, a class ahead. And I think 
what's really stood out to me is two things because of what you mentioned, James. Number one, Kevin Sperry is recruiting his butt off right now. I mean, he yeah, he was doing so much behind the scenes for OU that not a lot of people recognize, but I really need to commend him because there are potentially, like James mentioned, a few more announcements on the way. And then I think number two, Oklahoma is continuing to understand the multi-layer recruiting ability of programs in the SEC and and also taking firm awareness of maybe some of the recruits that they're leading for in regions of advantage that maybe certain SEC schools aren't involved in, if that makes sense. And so you have to capitalize on some of these opportunities. And I think so far, Sooners Under the Stars has provided exactly that for the program. I've heard, I've heard so much about Sperry and his recruiting process over the last week and I'm going to talk to him about that today and see and get a little more depth of what he's what he's got going on he said he's having yeah. a great time with it so that's that's a very good sign for the 2025 class ABC always be closing Kevin Sperry yeah. he is quite the salesman yeah yeah it feels a lot a lot like what we saw in 2021 with Caleb Williams and this past cycle with Jackson Arnold those guys both um you know, you get that quarterback centerpiece early, as Kevin Sperry was as early as it gets, basically. And they can almost be another extension of the staff for you. Both those guys, Caleb Williams and Jackson Arnold, did phenomenal in that regard. And it feels like it's still really early, but it feels like Kevin Sperry going right down that that same path. So lots of good news there. Lots of good, lots of things to be excited about. Let's do a little a little bad, just a sprinkle of bad. Williams Nowary, who well-documented, um, five-star, number one edge, um, the man, uh, a, a future NFL player by all accounts, was supposed to be a Norman this week. He's not. Colin, what are you hearing about why should OU fans be freaking out? Um, and on the spin verse, uh, on the spin side, I guess, the optimistic side, you're getting all his teammates here. Does, is that helping or does it not really matter? Kind of put that all in perspective for us on the wary. Yeah, it's, it's a really fun aspect of the week whenever you're getting screamed at because a family <laughs> decides to tell their their son what they're going to do that week. And I don't know. It's It's been an eventful stretch, to say the least. I would say that this isn't something I personally would tell fans to be concerned about in the slightest. I think the best way to phrase it, what exactly would Williams Winery learn more about the program that he yeah. doesn't already at an event that's not remotely structured to be involved with him. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like He's been there a lot. He's been there a lot. So. He's been yeah. there a ton. And this was a 2025 and beyond type of thing for really his teammates. I don't really understand why people would freak out that he didn't make it to the 2025 to 2027 event. And, oh, no, he didn't make it to campus for like the seventh time in a row. So, look – He's he's going to handle some things, and he could make it to Oregon this weekend. Brandon Huffman and I are tracking it. I, I, I think it's a little bit hilarious, too, that people are expecting we should know that right away as well. I mean, these families, they don't just assign the next month of plans after a, a yeah. last-second decision. And I think right now, Williams, Winery, and his family are, are sorting through maybe the next steps and what they want to do. Now, if he goes to Oregon, he goes to Oregon. I, I just don't know – what people think is going to be groundbreaking once that happens. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Mm -hmm. But I think in the end, I still really like where Oklahoma is here. And adding Kamori Moore doesn't hurt. If 
let's say an Isaiah Mosey domino were to fall off of this Sooners under the stars event, I think that also helps as well. And maybe those interactions that he would have had on campus with those two probably still going to take place at home. Right. So I, I wouldn't worry about this in the slightest if I were an Oklahoma fan. And I think overall, as Williams Winery likely aims to wind things down, OU is still in the best position moving forward. That's what it sounds like. Yep. Yeah. Number one defensive lineman in the class, uh, New Williams to wear, and number three player that we have uh, in that 2024 group. Also worth noting, uh, just announced today, David Stone is going to make his commitment on August 26th, which is the Saturday of week zero, if you want to call it that way, the week before uh, OU's opener and obviously the opener for most teams. He's our number three defensive lineman, number 10 player in the class. Um, Connor, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add on Stone before we move on, but he officially – penciled in his his commitment date. He's going to pick between six other schools, obviously Michigan State, kind of was considered the other big one in there, Miami, Florida, but uh, got that locked in. So you fans can circle that one on the calendar here coming up in a month. Yeah, I still like Oklahoma there. I've always kind of personally believed that if there were going to be a primary challenger in that race, it would have been Miami. Michigan State would have been big if Brandon Jordan, for example, hadn't left the program for an NFL job. I mean, BT Jordan is – one of the primary reasons why the Spartans were involved with almost essentially every elite defensive lineman in America, because he's arguably the best developer of pass rush ability in the entire country. So with him at the NFL level currently, yeah, I like Miami to be the primary challenger to Oklahoma. I'm working on a plan to go out and see David and IMG over the next few weeks. But I think in the end, Oklahoma is still in a very solid position and hey, you at home just keep riding the David Stone roller coaster. This is, this is recruiting one on one. Had those uh, Saban comments, you know, saying he yeah. wants to visit Alabama, but then he announced his top six. That does not include Alabama. He's definitely tugging with uh, some heartstrings. I think this is right on par for him too. I mean, he's. I think he said for quite a while. I think I learned in my former job that he wants to commit before the season, you know, really gets going. So this is right on mark for what everybody was expecting in that regard. He's still spot on. So we'll see what he comes up with from there. Yeah, look, whoever lands him, it, they've been basically begging David behind the scenes. <laughs> Program XYZ, please commit. Like, whoever it is, they need that dude bad because yeah. whenever David Stone commits, you better believe the rest of the dominoes are falling. Lot, yes. That's how this recruitment thing kind of goes. The guy's soaking up the spotlight, and deservedly so. I would, too, if I were a gigantic defensive lineman who was wanted by every program in America. But, hey, August 26th, we'll find out which one is the one. Yeah, he enjoys the process for sure. He definitely does. Yeah, and maybe a little bit of a tell will be Caden Durham the day before. On August 25th, he announces his commitment. And, of course, also have Michael Patterson-McDonald coming up next Monday on uh, July 31st. So Oklahoma fans can be feeling pretty good or not so good going into that, maybe kind of just depending on those two guys, especially Durham the day before um, as well. So we talked a lot about Sooners Under the Stars going on this week. This weekend is party at the Palace, which is right there. It's kind of champion barbecue and party at the Palace for the big, big weekends for Oklahoma in the summer. Um, Colin, I guess put in perspective how big the weekend is for us and just anything that you're kind of keeping an eye on as this weekend goes on. So I know it's a big, long slate, so don't expect you to get in every single guy or anything, but um, just things to watch and, and some some news and notes from it that uh, you feel like the, the uh, listeners should hear about. 
Sure. I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say everyone who's coming and rightfully so, but I also think yeah. that I'll save some of the goodies for our subscribers at Sooners Illustrated. So if you're out there and you haven't subscribed yet, maybe go ahead and check that out. Sure. Work on that notes package here in a second. But what I will say is that this is an event that while the the visitor list isn't necessary, necessarily littered with like a five-star who's who, I would say that this is an event that is hosting a number of players who are getting ready to make their decision, right? And when you are basically hosting an event prior to final calls being made, you got to put your best foot forward. And so this is Oklahoma's opportunity to do exactly that. I think when you look at the list, there's a decent amount of offensive linemen expected to be there, decent amount of defensive backs expected to be there. And I think Oklahoma's really wanting to see some of those dominoes fall, maybe get some of those names checked off of the list. And then again, too, this is an event where because of some of the names that are on campus, if you do well with them, it might ultimately pan out in your favor with other prospects later down the line. If yeah. that makes sense. So I'll, I'll dive into this a little bit more on our VIP board, but the names that are on the list are not only important to get in their own right, but you better get these guys if you want to get a few more. And that's why I think Party at the Palace coming up this weekend, you might not only see maybe an announcement or two come out of the weekend, but you'll see some annou announcements from guys at the event following that, and then maybe some announcements that are influenced by guys who are at the event as well. Yeah, those those prospects are talking to each other for sure. So I mean, that's that's a big big deal, and it's a, that's a big part of the uh, the reason they go too is to kind of talk to everybody else and see where they're at and and what goes on with it. So that's it's big time, especially this close to their commitment dates and things like that. Man, I can't just can't imagine the pressure that it is for a coaching staff to like okay, let's really put our best pitch forward and and get the right guys that we want. I mean, it was one of the guys that y'all mentioned, Michael Patterson McDonald will be there. And yeah. so yeah. that's with one of a few who are expected to be on campus that you can't mess it up, mm -hmm. especially with that decision coming just days late. So it's a very important event. And again, while it doesn't have maybe the Williams Winaries or so on and so forth, there could be a five star or two who shows up. I've hinted at that on the board, <laughs> but at the same time, even if they don't make it, those five stars and a few other priority targets will be easily influenced by guys if this visit goes well for them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Big weekend uh, in Norman. No better time to become a VIP subscriber on Oklahoma.247sports.com. Sooners Illustrated. Collins will be bringing the goodies all weekend and, you know, uh, not for nothing, but this thing called fall camp is next week. So the actual season right the is coming up. And so – like I said, no better time. Jump aboard. We got lots of great stuff coming. Uh, media days next week for OU, and then the first practice and all that good stuff is right behind it. So um, very important that you keep up with us and that you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well um, because obviously this is where the podcast, the video version lives, but also practice footage, player interviews, press conferences, all that's going to be here for you. So if you subscribe – You'll never miss anything. So be sure to keep up with us uh, here as well as the actual site itself. Uh, we're just getting ready to get into the meat and potatoes here uh, of it. So fall camp right around the corner, season and uh, all that good stuff. Lots of recruiting news as well. So um, busy times.
busy times. But uh, I think that's uh, going to do it for us on this episode. We are on Apple and Spotify now as well. So if you've been listening to the show on, on the actual physical site, the show is available on the site itself. If you go into the More tab podcast, the shows are there. But if that's what you've been doing and you'd rather listen to Apple or whatever, it is there now. So be sure to subscribe and leave a review and all that good stuff. Uh, that's That kind of thing really helps us out. So be sure to do that as well. Lots of place to find us. I think that's it for now. But we'll be back next week um, kind of recapping the party at the Palace and uh, previewing fall camp. Like we said, Michael Patterson McDonald committing on Monday. James and I are planning to get out there for that on Monday evening. So a lot coming your way here in the next, uh, just in the next week or so, but especially over the next several months as we get into the season. That's it for us. For Tom Green earlier and James Jackson, Colin Kennedy, I'm Josh Callaway. We'll catch you guys next week for another edition of the Sooners Illustrated podcast.